0: This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke.
0: And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria.
1: And this week we are reading The Communist Manifesto, or as probably should be titled, The Manifesto of the Communist Party. This is the English edition, 1888, edited by Frederick Engels.
2: Oh, that's yeah. the
1: one we were reading anyway, yeah, anime, yeah, yeah. if there's any different I've ones. Got
2: the sli- I've got the slightly updated version that was published With a few footnotes. years later, which Ooh. has footnotes about random stuff that's not really relevant because they're footnotes.
1: Oh, okay. well, they'd be part of the main thing, I guess, if they... Anyway, anyway, what were we talking about? Yes, we're talking about the Communist Manifesto. Um, Chiara, what's the Communist Manifesto?
2: The communist manifesto is actually a speech so this i i we were talking we were discussing this before we started recording and this confused poor victoria (laughs) greatly as to what why the language was the particular way that it was and now it now that i told her it was a speech it makes a lot more sense so it was a speech delivered by marx to a bunch of english tailors of an evening in 1850 something in london very very specific bunch of people and basically, this is the first sort of written record we have of the principles of communist. What you know of uh, Marx? What what Marx is? Marxism, which then grew into the political form of communism a bit later. Marxism kind of came first, and so essentially, Marx outlines, and if I may quote here, "The history of all hitherto existing society is the history of class struggles." a big call yeah really big call and it's completely wrong just saying from a historiographical point of view historian in the house um (laughs) and there is also it it, i I should just read the opening i'm going to read the opening paragraph sentence couple of sentences because it is just great a specter is haunting europe the (laughs) specter of communism all the powers of old europe have entered into a holy alliance to exercise this specter. He's German, so that's why I'm reading in a German accent. Um, I see, I, mentioned it. It to be a,
1: I mentioned it to be a lot more like, a specter is haunting <laughs> Europe. The specter of communism. He's All got the it. powers of old Europe have entered into. Yeah, anyway. You're
2: too English, mate. Too
1: English, mate. <laughs> no, but, like, I just imagined it to be, like, really. He was yelling that thing. Like, he was <laughs> blasting this thing out. I no,
0: mean he could have I... come from, like, under the platform in a cape or something. A
1: spectre is haunting <laughs> <Europe. laughs> so, no, What I imagine your, your thing there is, like, what I imagined the guy from, um, what was the book that we read by Cheston? Uh, the man who was Thursday. Thursday. Oh. You know the guy who was the, the, the little old guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) I imagined him to be like, anyway.
2: Right, right, right. Anyway. um, Yeah, so basically he just says look, um, society has turned into the, thanks to industrialization, this society has turned into, uh, has become about two groups of people the proletariat or the workers and the bourgeoisie who are the owners. And the bourgeoisie are fat and fat, you know, fat rich, lazy, lazy all cigar this,
1: smoking kind of. all this
2: sort of stuff, yeah. and they abuse the proletariat, who are their workers and who make them bourgeois, who make them the bourgeoisie, and you know, it's all very, very terrible. Lots of blah 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 blah. So
1: yeah, just quick explanation of that: the bourgeoisie are, are the owners of capital, uh, and the workers are the owners of labour in a sense and the labour is, uh, its sole purpose is towards the building up of the capital so basically the only reason why the working class exists is to fatten the pockets and wallets of the bourgeoisie while they are ground further and further into the, into ground, the ground in order to fatten the pockets of the bourgeoisie yes. more and, and more.
2: Yes, and so therefore what what, what, should, what happens as has happened previously in history according to Marx, which is a very interesting history book I'd like to read sometime. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I'll, I'll try to avoid being a little bit snide and passive aggressive, but it is so much fun. <laughs> uh, basically according to history, what happens is that the workers eventually get sick of their lot and some kind of revolution some kind of unrest happens and either a revolution happens or the bourgeois the bourgeois just find a new market or a new way to distract everybody and get on mm. with things. Mm. And so basically Marx has been saying that our time is coming. The workers are now so large that we cannot possibly stay under the yoke of the bourgeois, and this will not be, and we shall now institute a whole new world order where nationalities won't matter, religion won't matter, nothing will matter but whether you're a worker and you have dignity and all workers of the world unite, essentially. Yeah, yeah.
1: That there'll be, no, there'll be no more classes, um, that there'll be a one single unified class. There'll be no um, family. There'll be no
2: family. Yes.
1: Be,
0: Education be will be free. Yay. Okay.
2: Well, these aren't exact <laughs> policy points per se, but there are all sorts. Policy that... points are in there. They're, they're yeah. in there somewhere. They're here, hang on. Um,
1: but we won't read them out because it'll take too long. Oh, but just for yeah. reference.
2: Yes. Oh, oh yes, they will. Um, but... Yeah, something like that. Blah blah blah. blah so, blah,
1: blah, blah, blah. yeah, I guess um, that's basically that's basically it. It's him outlining um, his. The state of the world at the time, uh, his theory on how historically that has built up through from ancient times through the Middle Ages and to that point in time, the modern age, and how that is all because of power struggle, because of class struggle, and that the time has come, basically, that the bourgeoisie have become so destabilized with their economy because it's inheriting, inherently destabilizing. Mind you, I was taught uh, economic trade theory by a Marxist, so this stuff is all very familiar to me, um, (laughs) is inherently destabilizing and therefore will eventually just implode on itself. Mind you, there's a little bit of truth to that because we keep going through recessions, but I'm not going to say I'm a Marxist or anything. But, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) No, but but nonetheless, um, yeah, basically that all private property should be eliminated because it's the bourgeoisie who are basically controlling it. The property will belong to every everyone. Basically, everything Everybody will...
2: Everybody will be happy. Everything
1: will belong to the state. Everyone will be equal. Everyone will be happy as their little workers uh, who will earn their just wage under a communist state. There is so much that could be said about this, primarily because so much has come from this. I yeah, mean...
2: This is probably <laughs> one of the most critical... This little document, which is about maybe... Thirty pages at most. It'll take you like
1: an hour and a half, two hours max to, to kind read. of read
2: through it. Yeah. And yeah, basically, this dot one document has been yeah, you know, it's has totally transformed the our it's social political of, landscape. Yeah, it's it's probably, probably one of the most critical documents <clears> in history that have made. There's, there are very few other books that have made such an impact as this one little papery thing here A true
0: testament to this is that I uh, went to go to a bookstore to buy the book of the Communist Manifesto and I was told that they'd actually sold out that week so all the university students were buying it so it's uh it's sold out <laughs>
2: Oh How could I let you buy? I oh, well, hmm? I have a copy of it along with all the commentary the oh, actual I don't thing- ever want to read this again <laughs> I do to read this again Some no. of the commentary is quite interesting but anyway um, that's besides the point. So, I
1: guess the first thing that I would want to talk about, um, is not so much what's in it, but what's missing. You get the impression from reading it this, that this is pretty much a, it's, it's encompassing the whole... Existence, almost yes. The whole of politics, although it denies being political, because once you get rid of classes, politics is really just power struggle. And once you get rid of power struggle, you don't have any politics anyway.
2: Um, <laughs> Sorry, Marx, you. Uh, when you have, three, when you have, I, 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 mean, I look. I have a lot of respect for Marx and what he was trying to do and the problems he saw. He was. He he did see in a he, he saw a lot of problems with the world that the world that was in there and there's no it's denial true. that those problems existed. Like you And know, that the they work, needed to be addressed. And that they needed to be addressed, but I don't think the answer he came up with was the correct answer. But anyway, um and basically he kind of went I've forgotten, lost my trail of thought.
1: I don't know if you were going on my train of thought, but I was gonna say what was missing.
2: Yes, that's right.
1: Was the person. The human yes. person. That's what I think is definitely missing from here, because the impression you get from reading this is that man exists to work and that everything to do with work and economics and ownership is all that man is for. Really, that's the impression I get. He wants to do away with anything that gets in the way of his vision. Uh, and anything that's outside of that vision, he writes off basi- basically as being a result of the bourgeoisie.
2: Like Or, 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 or it's reactionary.
1: Or it's reaction,
2: hmm. <laughs> Or it's reactionary. So the reason why
1: I'm sighing is because these are basically the two arguments that he uses against everything. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> oh, that's just a result of the bourgeoisie. And or that, it's or, reactionary. Or that's
2: conservatives reacting, wanting to bring the past back.
1: Yeah, that's basically the only <laughs> two arguments. And what. What's really missing from this is the idea of, well, what's the point? What's the point? Okay, so we have, this, we have this new world order. We have this overthrow. We have all these people who are living in their satisfactory lives with their satisfactory wages where they're able to have, you know, be able to live their lives uh, in common. So what? That, that, that's a means towards something. What's that something? The point is, is that man is not made... For work on its own, yes, yes, we are going to work. I mean, e- although we must do result- something
2: with our lives because us sitting around doing nothing does not make us better human beings, yeah. I
1: mean, even though as a part of the fall, we had to work harder, mm. nonetheless, I think it's a mistake to think that we would not have been involved in some level of labor uh, before the fall. Now, something that uh, I think it's Joseph Pieper speaks about quite a bit uh, in his addressing of, of communism and Marxism is that man is made primarily not for work but for leisure leisure I'm not being American here, leisure <laughs> I'm only getting this because I heard this from an American um, and that is what man is made for is to improve himself whether that be through study, whether that be through um, through relationships or play be,
0: or which play. is one of the fundamental parts goods, of being is human it?
1: yeah. it's one of the fundamental parts of being human and this completely misses that Like mm. it has nothing in there about that, everything is geared towards industry apparently everyone's going to be happy but I don't even know if happy is the right word they would be living a satisfactory life they wouldn't have any hardship but they wouldn't really have any. They wouldn't,
0: they wouldn't have eudaimonia is what he's saying. They wouldn't be flourishing Ooh, in their oh, most... Oh, oh like, quick one. They, yeah. would, they would not be flourishing in their most um, fulfilling way. That's what yeah, you mean. That's, yeah,
1: that's pretty much it. And that is what I think is the fundamental problem here, is that although he identifies correctly problems of his time, that class struggle is a problem, that it may not be a consistently historical problem. But it is a problem in that when you have rich getting richer and poor getting poorer, poorer, that's a problem. Mm. Now the solution is not necessarily to annihilate the rich and that everyone kind of lives in a
2: hippie commune type thing. It's not even a
1: hippie commune. It's I know just a a hippie war com- commune. Yeah, that's and I mean that's that's the fascinating thing about it is that he writes off culture, he writes off the family, he writes off pretty much everything that's not geared towards labour. As being just a part of the of the bourgeois culture of the bourgeois,
2: including mentality. religion, by the way, which we're not a fan again, of. Again, again, it's it's <laughs> so much like
1: I keep I keep on. We're gonna. It's gonna be keeping going on back to criticisms of this of this text but there's just so much hand waving that goes on in this text like there's just so much the, the addressing of religion that he has in here at some point I um bit. in his he doesn't address religion per se he addresses this kind of um he calls it clerical socialism so that is like priests sticking up for the poor and he writes this off as i'm just trying to see where he puts this so he says, has not, has not Christianity declaimed against private property, against marriage, against the state? Has it not preached in place of these charity and poverty, celibacy and mortification of the flesh, monastic life and mother church? No, 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 it hasn't. But anyway, we'll continue. Christian socialism is but the holy water with which the priest consecrates the heart burnings of the aristocrat. Now, that requires a little bit of context. Um, what he means by that is is that really the purpose of religious charity is just to make the rich feel better about themselves. Yeah. Um, And this is something I think Marx talks about outside of the Communist Manifesto, which is just a complete ridiculous reading of Christianity. Look at people like uh, St. Francis of Assisi, who was part of the bourgeoisie, I guess you could say, although they didn't exist at that point in time, who he would consider well, he was to be part, part of the part of wealthy
2: that. wealthy upper class. He was a son part of a mer- middle class. A, yeah. yeah, a cloth merchant. He was very, very well off. When you look at
1: the great saints throughout Christianity, the greatest saints throughout Christianity and Catholicism have been people who have given themselves completely to the poor. They haven't been making rich people feel better about themselves.
2: In fact, they often challenged rich people people. and made them feel bad about themselves. Can you
1: say that about Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta? The woman who went to India and basically caught people off the streets who were abandoned and were dying and helped them to die comfortably. Can you say that about her? No, you can't. And so... Anyway... (laughs) What was my point? Take a breath. Breathe, breathe, breathe. The the person. And so, yeah, I think that's really the primary thing that's missing here. And in fact, it's the primary thing that's missing from most modernist economics. That includes capitalism. Mm -hmm. Is that it treats the person as a unit of production, which Marx criticizes. And then does the same thing.
2: (laughs) And then does the same thing. And that, I think, is one of the fun. And, And that is why this sort of document as a prescription for political activity is inherently flawed because it's so contradictory and self-contradictory. Mm. It's like, it says one thing on one hand, which is like, woo, yes, I agree with that. Like, some st- some of the stuff, it, you the know, some of the, the stuff... The, start
1: of, the stuff at the start's quite good, I think. There's some, yeah, his- and- there's some historical problems, as you mentioned, but in identifying, even today, problems that we have in our society where you have the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. Still really
2: relevant. Still really relevant. And I think someone in the 1990s talked about, I've forgotten what his name was, but he was a political theorist, and he was talking about the specter of Marxism. Even though communism as as an ideology, as a system of government, has been resolutely proven to be a failure, um... Because Marxism
1: is still so influential.
2: Marxism is still so influential because it still asks those really relevant questions. What is going on? Why are the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer? Why and why is there that, why is there still inequality? Why- even out,
1: yeah, even outside of that, I think that there are good things to be taken from Marxism like the whole thing about, yes, I get a bit cynical about things like power struggles and that kind of thing, but they are, good questions to ask, yeah. because, I mean, this stuff has pervaded through human history. I mean, Christianity in itself has challenged this notion of being rich in of itself, of being rich for your own gain and for greed. That's yeah. what Christi- our Lord challenged that very much.
2: But he didn't necessarily challenge being you know, being rich itself. If you are a good steward of capital, some people are, and there's a lot of, and there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out about Catholic um, economics and Catholicism, and how um, you know how we make sense of stuff. Or you know, go sell everything and give it to the poor. Well, that doesn't. Nec- that's not. You know, how do we interpret that now in our modern society? And sometimes it's not. I think it's
1: still. I think it's still because I I, I get a little bit nervous about the. A lot of reinterpretation thesis. So, like, you'll hear a lot of people in post-Vatican II within religious life say, "Oh, we need to reinterpret chastity, obedience, and um, poverty." But, but yes, nonetheless, we need to be able to see. Okay, how does ev- how is everyone able to do that? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it doesn't necessarily. How do I put this without being a heretic? Um, <laughs> it's not Catholic, it's- Catholic problems.
2: problems. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily about, how do you put it? It's not saying that if you have money, you are inherently evil.
2: No. And that's part of the... Pro- and that's a... Unfortunately, that's a not, a, not an uncommon interpretation of, of a passage like sell everything you own and give it to the poor. We can mm. point our fingers at people who are wealthy and go, well, you know, you're not doing what Jesus said. And it's like going, well... What naturally happens if you are wise and careful with your money is that you generally get more money.
1: And the thing is that <laughs> yeah. you need to remember is that I that's as a key, natural course there, of
2: what you know being you know yeah. of being wise and you know being wise and generous with your money. But
1: you the key and the, exactly money. exactly the key thing there about the money is it's not yours. Yeah, mm. that's not your money. You right. own nothing. It all comes from God. Yeah, you have nothing. And I think that's the key thing to us living in a Western society where let's face it. We are all so rich compared to most other people in the world yes, we have got it if really you have a university
2: good. if you have a university degree, you are in the wealthiest two percent of the global population mm-hmm. fact
1: so yeah, I think that's we need to we need to keep that in mind is that remembering that yes okay as if you're a layperson and you are called to that life of earning money to provide for a family, you need to have that constant, just trying to think of a word to use for it. Um, I guess distance. Distance probably isn't the right word. But detachment. I, 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 deta- yeah, detachment. Detachment from monetary goods. Yeah. In a prudent way, you don't be stupid yes. about the money, but you be um, yeah, prudence. The the best word I can think of, in fact. Prudence, and, temperance, and detached.
2: Yeah, prudence tempered by generosity, I think, mm. is the key there because. You still need, you know, generosity is great, but if you're generosity to the point where you give away the mortgage payment for the month and now you're going That's be, a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Yep. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if you're so miserly that you... That's, you know, that's not healthy. That's not yeah. a healthy attitude either. And, and if you look at the historical context of the working class during the Industrial Revolution in England, it was appalling. Yeah, like, the absolutely. conditions they were working under <laughs> were absolutely horrendous. We would not, you know, like... Yeah, even if- people of today were recognizing the horrors that they were, you know, that they were seeing and that, that people were being subjected to. like women were um, and women women, men and children as well. And this is the thing this is where women really started kind of be- being forced to work outside the home because they could not mm. afford to not be working. So they'd be working in clothing factories, washing bottles. and another another funny funny fact too about the time if the men went on strike, what did the factory workers do? They hired women to come do their jobs. Mm. So there are actually all kinds of songs about girls coming in to do the men's jobs because they were busy being on strike. And the women are going, how can you be on strike? We need to eat. So they would go and eat.
0: (laughs) And this was not ignored by the, I suppose, the writers of the time either. Uh, If if you'd like to read maybe a story about this sort of context, I'd recommend Elizabeth Gaskell's North and South, which deals with the uh, cotton... Cotton manufacturing up um, in Northern England and about the union strikes and the women coming in, then bringing in Irish because they're cheaper labor and the exploitation and uh, the relationship between the the workers and the and the masters and it's just very interesting. So check and that one out if you just need to get a bit more context.
2: And the other one too is um, Charles Dickens. Oh course. yes, Charles Dickens, of course. Any one of his any one of his novels. Who was a he was a great commentator on the time to- uh, at the time of. What was going on with the working class. And so, you know, and so what Marx is trying to do is saying he's saying that capitalism has taken away the dignity of the worker. And now he's going, communism will give back the dignity of the worker by working for the state. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and you know, you're going to be doing the exact same thing, but you're not going to be doing it for that just- owner. You're going to be doing it for the state instead. It's, it's just,
1: but his justification is that the problems occur because of class warfare. If there are no classes, you have no class warfare. Mm -hmm. No problem. Now, the key problem I see in that, and I was bringing this up before with Victoria, I'm not sure if I brought it up with you, Chiara, is that, okay, let's just assume that we have a society, we have a new world order, we have all one class, right? Okay, well, there's going to have to be people who make decisions about, about this. The state doesn't just operate. You know, as a as a kind of hive mind. Mm, this yeah. is what we this
0: is what we saw in Animal Farm.
1: Exactly, mm. exactly. You need to have Throwback. people who who manage these funds, who manage the society. We could say they're let's just call them pigs. I don't know. Let's just call them that. <laughs> you now have a new class.
2: Cause they require more education, they require certain technical skills that other people wouldn't. They are generally going to you know, they're going to be a whole new class they're of They're going to be the
1: ones controlling the money. And mm. let's face it, people are greedy. Mm. People are going to do it. I was saying to...
2: This is the lovely thing that I love about... What, what, and again, this goes back to Marx ignoring the human person. What he forgets about... When he forgets about the human person in this ideology, he also forgets that people are not perfect. Whatever mm. system you make or invent that is going to be solve all the world's problems, it's great until you get people involved. Any system, like I mean, Winston Churchill had this great saying: "Democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the others we've tried." <laughs> um, And it's so true because there is no such thing as a perfect political, economic, social system because people are involved and we're not perfect. because of the fall.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Go put it out there. I will will put a bookmark (laughs) on that and come back to that straight after I say this. But when you look at, correct me if I'm wrong, Kiara, when you look at all of the um, societies that have instituted communism, not just socialism, communism, they've all ended up being either tyrannies or oligarchies.
2: Yeah. And they've all ended up That makes no blood. sense.
1: I thought there was no classes. Like, why? Why is that? Returning back to Victoria's point, um, <clears throat> is that the problem, and this happens so much, like, this happens so much throughout history, and that is that when people fail to see that the root of the world's problems is original, or well, humanity's problems, is original sin, when they replace it with something else, whether that be class struggles, whether that be power struggles,
2: Gendered Divides, Gender
1: divides, whether that be uh, chemicals in brains, whether that be, you know, whatever it is that people decide to replace original sin with and become fixated on that, you completely miss the entire point. The problem is not... It's a bit like what we were saying before about how inherently having money will make you an evil person. Apparently inherently having capital and controlling a group of people to help create that capital will make you inherently evil says who like why is that necessarily it it's we sort of went through this with i think it was the ones who walk away from omelas with the dilemma Mm -hmm. where you're looking at it wrong you're looking at it wrong take a step to the left take a step to the right look at it from a different angle look at it from the angle of original sin look at it from the angle of sin and that there are Things of this everything in this world can be used for good or it can be used for evil. It's not as though there are good things and there are evil things. It's the way that we use them. Maybe. I haven't quite thought that through. Maybe that was a heretical statement. I'm not sure. No, but- no I
2: think you're I think you're I think you're on the right track there because at the you know I don't think I don't think there is anything in this created world that is inherently evil because God created the whole <laughs> exactly. world, so he. We had a lot yeah. of we had a
1: lot of debate about that in the first years of Christianity. Like. Yeah,
2: and so and that and so you know, and including human beings. I don't think there is such thing as a bad human being. People can do terrible things, and I have seen the product of, um, you know, what happens. Um, I mean, particular. I mean, a classic example would of, of you know a particularly communist ideology was a Cambodian genocide. Mm. And that is where basically um Pol Pot in Cambodia and the Khmer Rouge decided to create an agrarian communistic utopian society and they took and they basically killed all their bourgeoisie. So all their doctors, their lawyers, their shop owners, you know, if you owned anything you know, or you and you were either shipped off to a farm and starved and would end up starving to death because the economy could just totally collapse and could you not know, all sorts of mess, or you were put in jail and shot and tortured and killed, and you know, mm. two million people died. Mm. Two million people died. That's
1: and that's and that's what all because what of this. Yeah, all because of this and people. Miss, when when you miss the point, when you don't look at sin as being a problem, when you look at something else as being a problem, or you define something very specific as being sin. Now. We're very close to finishing, but something that I wanted to finish up on was um, Victoria made a really good point uh, when we were discussing this was that it actually makes a lot of sense when Kara pointed out this was a speech to like-minded um, to like-minded communists
2: fellows, well, fellows.
1: Yes, comrades. Like- comrades,
2: comrades, comrades.
1: <laughs> comrades. He didn't use the word comrades. No, that, that was a up. Russian thing. Um, to like-minded comrades, uh, is that it's very in- this this whole thing is very insular. It's like, I feel like when I'm stepping into this, reading this, I feel like I'm overhearing a conversation. He's yeah. not speaking to me. And so something that we have to remember, and I'm very mindful of this and the fact that we're here yelling about this and being frustrated <laughs> yeah. with it and that kind of thing, is that as Catholics, we need to remember not to get into the mentality that this document's in. And what I mean by that is that okay, yeah, that's fantastic what's being all said in this and, and they're saying lots of things and they're discussing these things with each other And but it seems that a lot of this is not really based on the real world um, and the real world is how it is. And we need to remember as Catholics to always remember not to just stick around in our studios...
2: In our little bubbles.
1: <laughs> and discuss these things and yell about these things and talk about how terrible as Marx does here, how terrible everyone else is and how enlightened and fantastic we are because, because, we, are, because we are enlightened and fantastic. <laughs> yes. As Christians, we need to go out and engage with the real world. We need to go out and spread the good news.
2: And that might be walking onto a university campus with a big with a big sign saying, I am not a communist, come argue with me.
1: <laughs> Don't do that.
0: <laughs> what Luke is saying is he's not discounting community or that we should never ever get back together and talk about the problems that irk us and what we need to do about it. He's, he's saying the community is there to reinforce, to strengthen, but also and to be a shelter when you get attacked by the outside world, but not that you should never leave it. You should really go out there, do something, and come back and confer with your Christian comrades. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and actually, but keep
0: going back out. Don't don't be insular.
2: That just reminds me because I think there's a really critical point I do want to make here, and this is a little bit little bit on the political side, but trade unions. Mm. Trade unions are of, often have a lot of ties to Marxism and communism, and for and for you know unsurpri- unsurprising reasons, but. Let me tell you something. Trade unions are not a Marxist idea at all.
1: Rerum novarum, very much, which is Pope Leo the Thirteenth, I think, very much encourages
2: trade unions. And trade unions were an absolutely critical. You know, trade unions actually got workers their rights, not communism. At the end of the day. Workers. The trade
0: unions got the ten-hour day, didn't they?
2: Yeah, they got the which he si-
0: references.
2: Every single, every single. He blames on the bourgeoisie. Yeah. <laughs> but, but um, every every single point on that thing was fought for and won by you know trade unions by ordinary workers getting together and organi- and getting you know having a unified voice and saying this is what we want and we are not going to work for you if you don't if you don't do this mm. and it was a. And a lot of it was based, and a lot of them were, in in, Austra- in the Australian context, the Labour Party was built off the trade unions. The trade unions were built to fight for the rights of the Irish workers, who were often discriminated against, not just because they were Irish, but also because they were Catholic. And so that is, you know, that's a particular Australian context, but it also happened in America. It also happened over in Europe as well, that... Catholics, Catholic social teaching is incredibly compatible with the whole idea of trade unions. And so it drives me, it makes me really sad when I hear Catholics, you know, start poo-pooing trade unions because so many of them go down this route. Mm. And I go, no, 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 no. The Pope says trade unions are good, you know, because they, they go down the communist, they go down the communist route and, you know, and we shouldn't do that because... They've been an incredible part of our history and essential, effectively for the functioning of the modern economy. Actually, it goes,
1: it, go- it goes back to that we can't look at the problem, the problems of communism, and say therefore capitalism is the answer. They're both problematic. Yeah. The church rightly says that they are both problematic because they both view they both the do the same thing as a unit of production. They tear down the family. They tear away man from leisure. They tear away man from God. Essentially.
2: And, and capitalism does that just as effectively as communism exactly. does.
1: It's hudge and gudge, as G.K. Chesterton would say. Hudge and gudge. Hudge and gudge. They're <laughs> working great. together because they both essentially do the same thing. But anyway, that's all we have time for today. Um, so next week we will be reading The Wife of Bath's Tale, uh, which is a tale from the Canterbury Tales by Geoffrey Chaucer. So we're retort- returning to the ye olde medieval... Please as
2: don't ever we... say that again. It's no. not ye old. And I'll actually have things to ye say because, oh, quite frankly, this was hard this week. Shall we? We shall go back to the reactionary time, to the reactionary's <laughs> favourite time, the Middle Ages. Sorry, has it? Went...
1: The time of aristocrats, yes, yeah, and, and
2: serfs and... and lords and serfs and oppression, oppression. <laughs> Sorry, we won't be
1: discussing any of that. though. No, or maybe we will be actually. <laughs> anyway, anyway. it depends. Anyway, that's what we'll be reading next week. Uh, the Wife of Bath's Tale. Um, it looks interesting. Uh, it looks like it blows out of the water any preconceived ideas you had about the media- medieval period. But anyway, um, so yes, Wife of Bath's Tale next week by Geoffrey Chaucer. So we will see you then. Bye.
2: Bye bye. Bye. That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.